you one more time. Make your neighbors nervous. Welcome, welcome, welcome this morning to Spectrum Church. We're so glad you are with us. The worship was lit. We made a joyful noise. Hopefully you're singing at your house or condo or apartment or maybe watching right there in your car. Jesus is Lord. And the hallelujah and the praise you're giving to him is shaking things and it's quaking things and it's remaking things in your life and in our community as well. Not only here, but I believe your praise is going around the world, the scripture says. It's making a noise on the earth and in the heavens. We're so glad you're with us with our online campus, of course. We're not meeting in a physical location right now because of the COVID-19 and the virus. And we hope to meet sometime soon, but we really don't know when that's going to be. The safety of those at Spectrum Church and those that call this their church and coming back together is of our primary concern. So we're so glad that we have this opportunity and the technology that's available right now that we can come into your home, come into your apartment or condo, wherever you're viewing. We're so grateful that you joined us this morning. We just came off a, about a six-week series about finding strength in the struggle. Hopefully that was helping you. You can go on our YouTube channel and subscribe and revisit those, those messages. Today, I want to talk to you from a scripture from the book of Psalms, chapter 33. If you got a Bible there, maybe your phone, maybe you're watching on your TV, you can follow along. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I really haven't got a fancy title for you today. A lot of times we do. But come on, here's what we're calling today's message, Psalm 33. That's pretty ingenious, isn't it? Look what the writer says, in, starting in verse 16. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety, neither shall it deliver any by its strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. How many know that's a good time right now? That's good to know that God's going to deliver your soul from death and keep you alive in famine right now. Verse 20 says, our soul waits for the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. Verse 21, our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. And he finishes the psalm and he says this, let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Well, one of the things that we, uh, we do regularly around here, you just enjoyed it, uh, what we do before every service, as we have a time of praise and worship, it's not just so uh, you you know can, you can finish your coffee or your bagel this morning, uh, but it's a time that we enter in and really turn our focus and attention to God, regardless of what's gone on in our life, regardless what it looks like, what's happening right now in a pandemic or job un, you know uh, uh, uncertainty or maybe something in your physical body or something with your kids, and in the middle of it all. 
praise redirects your attention and focus. And really, uh, what we know from Psalm 33 is that it's really a psalm of praise about God that He is going to protect you. All those verses before that, before we actually started reading, are talking about what God's going to do and how He's going to protect you and how He's going to protect His people. Uh, verse 1 and 2 actually says this. We didn't read it, but it says, encourage you to do that. Let the righteous praise God and, and just worship God. And so that's what the righteous do. That's what the born-again children of God do they turn their attention to God and begin worshiping and just praising him and verse 3 actually says this sing to God a new song come on put that in the chat a new song I'm sure God likes the old songs I'm sure he likes the old hymns I'm sure he likes the old praise and worship or whatever your 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 style is but but it's interesting six or seven times in the old testament it's recorded that it tells us to sing to God a new song a, a new song and really the thought of that is that sing to God something new that corresponds with what he's doing in your life right now I know all kinds of things that he's done in my life in the past, and, and to be honest with you, I think I've sang a little bit about that. But what God wants you to do is find something fresh. <laughs> Come on, find something to sing about now. I, I cycle a lot, and one thing that I really enjoy is when I get up early in the morning, I go on my bike by myself. One thing that I regularly hear is birds chirping and singing, man. When I get up early in the morning, I open up all the windows of our house, let the cool air in kind of cool off the hot house, and the birds are just singing and chirping. And if a bird can chirp, surely you can chirp. Come on. You can sing and worship God and sing to him a new song about what he's done in your life right now. Think about that as we begin this journey. So I want to encourage you, whatever type of worship you like, come on, find your groove, find your song, find your style, and turn it to worship to God because he is pleased when you sing to him a new song. Praise really just changes your perspective. It, it refocuses and recalibrates your life. And so we are proponents and encouraging you to be a person of praise. Really the message to, to, uh, this morning really isn't about that. Uh, but, but the precursor for your life should be. I want to be a person who keeps praising God. Like the song sang a minute ago. In the middle of the storm. Come on. Higher and higher you're going to hear my praises roar. I, I believe that is so. Not just for the people singing up here. But for your life and my life every single day. What I want to do is what the scripture we read there just a moment ago, I want to draw your attention. There's really, I was reading this months ago and I highlighted it and kind of went back and kind of formed a message on these four thoughts. There's really four H words that I want to drill down and drill into you for about the next, you know, 30 minutes or so. And let this just sink deep into the really soil of your life because I believe these four H words will impact you not only for this morning, but not only this week, but for the next several days and several months maybe, if you'll just think about these. I think they're paramount, and I think they're, they're foundational words and truths from the Scripture that we can really receive benefit and blessing from the very power of God, which is His Word. First thought that we read, you missed it probably because I read it quick. That's okay. Write it down. The Lord is our Hope. Come on, put that in the chat. Say that out loud. The Lord is our, is my hope. 
the scripture actually says that we wait for the hope of the Lord. We wait in hope for the Lord. And, and hope again, if you've been around here a little bit or you're just tuning in, uh, haven't been with us in church physically before the whole COVID thing happened, we talk about hope regularly around here. Is that really hope just isn't wishing, hope isn't wanting something to be so. Bible hope actually talks about a confident expectation that what God said he's going to do, he is going to do for you. What I like about these scriptures that we read is that it actually begins in hope and then he actually ends it in hope. And that in between, wedged in between there, there's three other words with H we'll talk about. So I just think about that, that from the very beginning of your life to the end of your life, listen, there's hope. It's not hopeless. No matter what it looks like right now, it's not hopeless. You might think it's over. You might think it's done. You might think, COVID wrecked everything, ruined everything, ruined your graduation as a senior in high school, ruined your college entrance, ruined your, your, your next step, your promotion in business, ruined you economically, messed you up physically. Listen, it's never, never over because the Lord is a Lord of hope. You need to have a confidence. You need to have an expectation that God is going to pull through for you. Let me ask a couple questions based on that. <laughs> Number one would be, uh, wh where is your hope? Where is your hope? Uh, we, we read just a moment ago, the psalmist said, hey, your hope can't be in horses and chariots and armies. Uh, again, th those are the power <laughs> brokers and the power supply of the day that the, the, the psalmist was writing this. Uh, your hope can't be in your job. Your hope can't be in your security. Your hope can't be in your bank account. Your hope can't be in your friends. Maybe they haven't been hanging out with you. You can't hang out with them right now. You're in quarantine, a little more isolated. But your hope, your expectation in somebody has just been completely flipped upside down. So where's your hope? Have you identified maybe during this time of quarantine and isolation that maybe you have put misplaced hope in someone or something and God's trying to redirect your hope in Him alone. Where's your hope? And I would ask you, secondly, how's your hope? Meaning right now, right now, currently, right now, how is your hope? Is it, is it, is it building up? Is it, is it expecting God to come through and God to be who He said He is? And, and like the like the the... the the king said in 1 Kings 18, he said, or chapter 8, excuse me, he said, not a word from him fell from the ground. Not, not a word of God's has fallen to the ground. God's faithful. His promises are sure. They are yes and they are amen. How is your hope right now, this morning, as you're watching, the meter of your life, how much hope do you have? Or has COVID the uncertainty, the difficulty, the, the, the length so far, the, maybe the fear. Has it sapped the hope of your life away? Let me encourage you. The scripture is real clear. Faith is a substance of things you hope for. So if there is no hope, there can be no form or substance where faith can take root and bring to you things from Almighty God. How's your hope. I love this story. Again, there's key passages in the scripture I talk about regularly around here because they are so impactful for me. 
And I love to bring that thought to everyone. <laughs> Over in the Genesis chapter 12, God calls a guy named Abraham. He's a worshiper of a moon god in Ur of the Chaldees. He doesn't know God, yet God calls him. And God says, you're going to be my man. You're really going to be the father of faith. And you're going to be the beginning of this new Jewish race. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to call you. I'm going to, I'm going to lead you. Your family's going to be blessed. Problem is... The brother can't have any kids. He's impotent, and his wife is past childbearing age. She can't have any, any kids. Her womb is shut. He's 75, and she's 65. But God doesn't care what it looks like, and he doesn't care what it looks like in your life right now. And God calls him, and the Bible just says this phenomenal scripture about what this man called Abram or Abraham did. It says in Romans 4, 18, who against hope, who against all hope, in hope believed. Uh, one translation just says, when all natural hope was gone, he believed anyway. Uh, when, when nothing looked like he could have a child, when all, all, everything was negative, everything was done, it was, it was over, there was no way this could happen. The scripture says, against all hope. In hope, he believed. He believed in a supernatural. He believed in a God hope. I'm asking you this morning that you would renew your confidence and your hope in who the Lord really is. A couple different translations says this. When there was nothing left to hope for, Abraham still hoped and believed. Nothing left to hope for. He still, how did he get this? Listen, there's no church. There's no Christian radio station. There's no Bible written yet. He had a word from God. That's all he had. You've got a whole lot more than that. You've got the Bible. You've got access to it. You've got all kinds of things on the internet, and I do too. We should be people of great, great hope. Another translation says this, when there was no reason for hope, Abraham believed because he had hope. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's like you read this, and I've been reading this for 40 years, and I still scratch my head sometimes going, how did the brother do it? There was something deep inside him that he just simply said, I choose to hope. I think it's important that we understand this thought, you know, while we're here, <laughs> grinding down a little bit. I'm encouraging you to put all your hope in God, not in your situation turning around exactly like you think it should. This is where I think we miss it sometimes, that we put our hope in God doing something, turning a certain situation around, and then maybe it doesn't happen or there's a delay, and then our hope goes out the window. Listen, this is not what I'm saying. I'm saying put your hope in Him, not in your circumstance, not in another person, not in what the government says, not in the job market, not in a yes to an email for an interview. Put your hope in God and Him alone. Several weeks ago, maybe it was a couple months ago, we did a, a series, and I can't remember exactly the part of the series what we did, but I, I made a comment from a... Uh, a New Testament Greek scholar by the name of Kenneth Wiest, and he says this, 
that hope is an energizing principle of divine life in the believer. It's an energizing principle of divine life in the believer. It's a mindset of expectancy. I love that. It's a mindset of expectancy, both for the future glories of heaven and for the present blessings simply because we're God's children. So it's a hope that says God's going to do something for me here, and I'm hoping, thank God, that heaven's going to come, but, it, but it's, got, it's got a dual purpose. So regardless of what's going on in your life right now, the scripture is clear. We don't put our hope in man. We don't put our hope in armies. We don't put our hope, the psalmist said, in horses or what anybody can do for us. Our hope is solely in Jesus Christ. How, how's, how's your hope? How's your hope? The second H I think is important that, that we read a moment ago is that the psalmist said, the Lord is our helper. Come on, say that out loud there to your friends or your kids that are listening. The Lord, the Lord's our helper. I, I love this scripture over in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses is nearing the end of his life, and he gets the 12 tribes of, of Israel together, the leaders, and he prophesies over them. And, and I believe this is a prophecy absolutely directed to those 12 tribes, but I believe it's a dual prophecy, if you will, that we can enjoy these same benefits because we're believers in Jesus Christ. Here's what Moses prophesied to this one tribe, and listen to what he says in, in Deuteronomy 33. He says, there is no one like the God of Israel he rides across the heavens to help you. My gosh. I, 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 he doesn't come across the town. He, he doesn't go from just a, a city. He, he doesn't go across the state. He doesn't go just across a nation. The Bible says that God will ride across the heavens to help you. That should cause great expectation and great hope in your life that God will do anything he can to help you. Right now, if you feel helpless, if you feel hopeless, if your situation looks like there is no way it could ever, ever turn around, listen, God is flying across heaven, so to speak, to bring you help. In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. He said, when I leave, I'm going to send somebody just like myself. And he calls him the comforter. He calls him the helper. The, the, the seven beautiful words that the Amplified Bible brings out in John 14, 15, and 16. One of them, the definition of the Holy Spirit is that he will be your helper. You have a helper. God the helper. God the Holy Spirit living not far away. Listen, not, not having to go from one side of the heavens to the other. You have God, the Holy Spirit, the helper living on the inside of you. You are not far away from the help you need. He is a very present help in a time of trouble. If you're in trouble, if you're in turmoil, if you're in tension, if you're in transition, he is here. God, the Holy Spirit, to bring you all the help that you need. I love this scripture too in Hebrews chapter 13 because it kind of keeps me right concerning just godly economics and finances. 
I love what it actually says in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money. How many know that would be something good for all of us? Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, here's what God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, since this is true, we can say with confidence, the writer says, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Uh, guys, this scripture in context is specifically, these verses are specifically talking to us about not trusting money or not loving money, not putting our trust in money or resources, but our trust in God alone, that God will help you. Thank God in our country, if you're listening from a different country, I don't know what's going on with uh, stimulus packages and all kinds of things around the world, but in our country, our government gave a lot of people money, you know, in the last several weeks, and my question might be is, did you put your trust in that, or, or what did you do with that? Did, did you even, could I say, don't get mad, did you even tithe on that? Free money? Did you spend all that money? Did you save any? Did you give any money? The writer says, you need to be content with what you have right now. And you need to live your lives free from money. God's coming across the skies to help you, the heavens to help you. The Holy Spirit's your helper. Scripture says, you can say with confidence now, the Lord's going to help me. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid what's going on with economic uncertainty. I'm not, not going to be afraid with the job market. I'm, I'm going to live my life free. The Lord is my helper. And now I would encourage you, based on the whole counsel of God, is that if God's going to help you, if he's going to help you specifically in context, not taking the Bible out of context, he's going to help you with the money side of life, with the financial side of life. So, so you need to, can I say it this way? You need to help yourself. You need to get a budget. You need to save some money. Come on, don't let that COVID money burn a hole in your pocket and spend it all. You need to learn how to save some money and budget and tithe and be generous and partner with God so that you can start seeing God really, really be your helper. He'll do things for you that money can't buy if you will partner with him and see that the Lord is your helper. I, I like this. Come on, we're doing good. Since the Lord's our hope, since the Lord's our helper, this fourth H that we see in Psalm 33, the psalmist said this, our heart rejoices. Since the Lord's my hope, since the Lord is my helper, my heart is going to rejoice. How, how's your heart been? How's your heart been in the last 10 weeks, 11 weeks, ever how long we've been going, somewhere along that? How's your heart really been? Is it, is, is it falling away from God? Is, is, is it singing praise like we sang a moment ago, louder and louder? Or kind of, come on, are you getting softer and softer? Are you getting bolder and bolder and co more confident and confident in who God is and his purpose and his plan and his, his, his love for your life? Or are you, are you taking steps back and you're, you're slipping back further and further away from the person you used to be? The psalmist says, he's your help. He's your hope. Let your heart 
Rejoice. There's something about a strong heart, not a beating heart, but the center of your being, a strong heart that will believe God in the midst of pain or difficulty or adversity like we talked in the last series. I believe this is that your heart is the soil that grows whatever you put there. One more time. Your heart is the soil that grows whatever you put there. What are you putting in your heart? Are you putting nothing but Netflix in your heart? Are you putting nothing but negativity in your heart and pain in your heart and MSNBC and CNN News and, and Fox News? And uh, What are you putting in your heart? Are you putting TikTok videos in your heart? That's all you're thinking about? That's all you're doing? And you wonder why your hope is diminishing? You're wondering why? The confidence that God's going to help you is shrinking. Listen, get things working back in your heart. Put the word of God back in your heart. Get the word of God stirred up in your life. And let your heart rejoice. Your heart is a soil that will produce or grow whatever you put there. Everything in life is like a seed. So whatever you put in your heart, if it's weeds, they're going to grow. If it's good seeds, it's going to grow. You and I choose what we put in the center of our life and what we think about and what we dwell on and what we allow to germinate in our own life. I believe this. I've seen this my entire life and you probably have too. I don't think it's going to be a new statement to anybody, but a heavy heart leads to a hardened life. A heavy heart leads to a hardened life. So you need to make your heart rejoice. You need to choose praise. You need to make your heart rejoice. You need to make yourself sing. You need to make yourself get up in the morning and lift your hands while you're drinking a coffee or you get up in the middle of the night. You need to make yourself read some Bible before you shut off the, 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 the light at night on your bedstand. You need to make your life change in the way how you rejoice before God. You're probably like me. Have you ever known somebody that's really uh, negative and got a hard heart and everything's dark and everything's fearful and everything's difficult and, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel? Listen, don't let that be you. That is the signs of a heart that is hardening and it will not receive the seed. It's like hard soil. Jesus told a parable about all these different kinds of soil and, and, and the soil that was there, it, it just wouldn't even receive. It couldn't get in the ground. The birds came immediately and ate it up. It couldn't penetrate the ground because the heart was so hard. Plow up your life with praise. Come on, get on your groove. If it's country praise, boot and scoot, baby, and praise God. If it's hip-hop praise, do that. Whatever you got to do to praise Him, Praise Him. Come on, somebody. I know you just spilled your cocoa puffs right there on the couch this morning. Come on, train yourself. Let's say it this way. Train yourself how to praise. Praise, I believe, shakes you. And praise, come on, we could say it wakes you and it shakes you. Come on, praise is a weapon. We see that over and over and over in the Bible. Let me read you scripture, Psalm 68. It says this, let the godly, that's you, rejoice. Come on, that's a command. Let the godly rejoice. Now, that, that's not with your mouth quiet. Get your mouth open rejoicing. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. Sing praises to God and do his name. Sing loud praises. Come on, loud. 
We sing loud up in here. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. This is the God who comes on the clouds. This is the God who comes across heaven to help you. <laughs> sing to him. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. I love that. Check it out. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of the widows. That is our God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families, and he sets prisoners free and gives them joy. Maybe you feel right now you're a prisoner. Maybe you feel like you're lonely. Maybe you are lonely. God sets you in a family. God's got a family for you. He's got a family for you right here at our church or wherever you're viewing. Uh, there's a local church right there for you. We welcome you after this whole thing blows over. Because listen, listen, COVID is going to blow over. It will. There will be a vaccine. There will be a change. Slowly, things will change. I don't know if we'll ever get back to normal, whatever normal is, right? But things will change. You need to be in the family God's got for you. He's a father. He'll support the widow. If you feel alone, he wants to help you. God is for you. The last stage I want to talk about, again, that we see since the Lord is our hope, since he's our helper, since we get our heart now rejoicing, we get our heart rejoicing. The psalmist said this, we trust his holy name. We trust his holy name. I really think we're in a generation that we really don't know anything about the holiness of God. We have holy genes. Come on, I got some on tonight. I have holy genes. We've got all kinds of holy things that we say are holy, but God being holy, I don't think we quite think too clearly about that. God being holy means this. There's no trace of evil in his character. When we say he's holy, there's no trace of evil. I've known people all my life. I've been in ministry. Gosh, Kimberly and I just celebrated 36 years of marriage. Shout out to an amazing wife. 35 years we've been in ministry. Started out as a youth pastor. We were up in Canada for 13 years almost. Love the Canadian friends. For 35 years, I've seen people, mainly men, because men can be knuckleheads, who've gotten mad at God over the course of their life or some situation and they've turned their nose towards God and somehow thinking that God didn't come through, that his character is tainted because he didn't do what they thought he would do. The holiness of God means there is no trace of evil in his character. The word holiness actually means separation. It means separation. God is separate or cut off from anything that's sinful. There, there, he, he cannot associate with anything sinful. Anything. God being holy. A couple more thoughts. God being holy means he's pure. He's uncontaminated. He's beautiful and right in everything he does. Come on, look at that. He's uncontaminated. He's beautiful and right in everything he does. Everything he does in your life, it's beautiful, it's right. It's not tainted with sin. 
Listen, where, wherever you have a problem, your problem is not with God. Maybe in your perception of who he is or what he's done or what's going on in your life right now. He loves you. He's holy. God's not your problem. I've come to realize that when I don't understand, or we could say it this way, when you don't understand, he is still holy. He is still uncontaminated. He is still beautiful. He is still right in everything that he does. This morning, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what your life looks like right now, what it's been the last 10, 12 weeks. You need to trust in his holy name. He's for you. He's sinless. He's spotless. He's pure. He's righteous in everything he does. In one of the Psalms, the writer says this, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. When my heart is overwhelmed and I'm, I've got questions and I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening with my kids and school and job and my husband. And we're together and we used to love each other and we're kind of wondering right now. I don't know, I've kind of got some symptoms in my body. i got some friends. Or When my heart's overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. It's higher than I. Don't lead me. I don't want to stay in my own circumstances and sin. I don't want to stay in my hopelessness and my fear. I don't want to stay away from your help. I don't want to stay out. I don't want to live in a heart that's hardened. We can trust. His holy name. He always does that which is right. He's just. He's pure. And he'll be that way for you. The psalmist found out. and He told us, God's your hope. Come on, say it one more time right there where you're sitting this morning. God's your hope. God's my hope. You have a helper. You have a helper. He's the Holy Spirit living right there with you. God coming across the universe to help you. What, what an amazing picture. Never without help. Ne never far from help. He's your hope. He's your helper. Now, come on, all week, uh, this morning, and carry on all week. Let your heart rejoice. Come on, sing. Sing a new song. Come on, sing a new song. Come on, walk the beach and sing about the ocean, what God's made for you, and the beauty here that we live in San Diego. Let your heart rejoice that God's going to get you to the other side. And remember, trust his holy name, his pure name, his righteous name, his uncontaminated name, his spotless name. He can be counted on. Come on, this morning, I believe the Word of God's penetrating your heart. I believe God is ministering and helping you right there where you're at. No matter if you're a single mom, a college student, a high school student, married couple, big mortgage, no mortgage. <laughs> Homeless, oh, you got a lot of homes. 
He will meet you right where you are at. Would you just draw your attention to him? Wherever you need him, would you let him invade your heart? If it's been hard in the last days or weeks, or maybe, in my experience, there have been people that have a hard heart for years. And can I say, decades. How about today? You break up that hard heart. And you say, no more, no more. I'm going to trust God. He's going to be my helper. I'm turning my attention to him. I don't care what it looks like right now. I'm turning my attention to him. He's going to meet you. He's going to meet you. All throughout the Gospels, we see God in a body called Jesus. And he did that. He met people that were helpless and hopeless. He met people that had a different idea and a warped idea, I could say, of who God really was. And through his love and through his word and through his compassion, through his healing, he changed their perspective. This morning, I'm praying that your vision and perspective changes of who he is. Come on, would you pray with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. Hear us, every heart that's struggling, every heart that's away, every heart that's gone through a, very, a season of difficulty and turmoil. Meet them right there. Whatever the circumstance and situation is, Lord, it doesn't matter. You're the God who flies across heaven to bring help. Oh, God, help your people, we pray. Come on, look at me one more time before we're done this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the greatest...